Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable high-speed internet. Today, I'm joined by Anthony Guntelek, Group President of Media, Network, and Technology at Amdocs, a software and services provider for communications and media companies. Anthony and I discuss how a recent survey Amdocs conducted on broadband issues is informing the company's objectives, as well as how service providers in Amdocs orbit are rethinking the future of connectivity. And we also discuss Amdocs work with the 5G Innovation Lab to find novel solutions for addressing the digital divide. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Um, So tell me a bit about Amdocs and how the work you all do intersects with expanding access to broadband. Um, Yeah, so we are a uh, predominantly, we serve the communications uh, industry uh, globally. Uh, We're a 35 plus year old company um, and we serve, you know, the the big names, obviously, like the AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon's. In North America, but also globally, the Vodafones, Telefonicas, Singtels. Um, so, you know, kind of where we sit, we, we have a good perspective in terms of connectivity and how the world is moving. And and obviously, you know, as we, we discussed previously, uh, the last 12 months has really shone, shone a really strong light in this space. Yeah, absolutely. And you and I did speak previously. You and I uh, spoke about a survey uh, that Amdocs had conducted on the subject of connectivity during the pandemic, um, which revealed a few things, uh, including that the majority of people with high-speed internet have experienced connectivity issues um, over the past year. Um, Nearly half of respondents said they had to reprioritize spending in order to afford broadband this year. And there was sort of a bit of a split between those who successfully were able to do so and those who couldn't do so. So um, tell me a bit about why Amdocs specifically wanted to collect this information and how are those results informing or changing your work this year? We, we kind of obviously we're, we're at the heart of kind of what's going on in terms of connectivity, in terms of the industry. And we just wanted to um, really reach out and kind of touch the users and really understand Kind of what are the first-hand problems they're facing? What are the things they're dealing with? I mean, there's always these anecdotal evidences, you know, that you see of, of uh, you know, people not having broadband and then struggling to either do their schoolwork or, or work in a hybrid way and things like that. And we, we wondered, you know, is there something underneath that? Like, is there a bigger issue? And, you know, some of the results were, I would say, predictable, but then there were, you know, some that were, I, I would say, quite, you know, surprising. I mean, I, I think around uh, 27% of people said, you know, they they had some type of reliability issue, you know, based on location or where they were or, or things like that. And, and we started to just think about that a little bit because, you know, maybe in the past that was okay and you could get by, but, you know, in the new world we're going to live in and probably going to live in, uh, you know, forever, I guess, if a perpetuity from now on, connectivity has really become a backbone to our society. Um, and I don't see this changing. So I think the, the priorities for um, us as a vendor in the industry and the priorities for um, um, our customers have really changed. You know, the perspective has changed. You know, it's one thing to say I'm providing a service. Another thing to say I'm providing 
an essential service so that kids can go to school, so that people can have an income and have a livelihood, right? Like it's a completely different paradigm. Yeah. And, you know, certainly all these things were true uh, before the pandemic, and we've had a digital divide issue um, in this country and all over the world uh, for years, so basically since the internet was invented. And it's only gotten more, you know, stark in recent years, but obviously the pandemic and myriad stories of kids sitting in parking lots in order to do their homework near a Wi-Fi hotspot have gotten people's attention. And um, so that creates an opportunity, certainly, to address the digital divide because there's a story around it that people can Mm -hmm. grasp and that helps. Um, But before the pandemic, most of the conversation about the future was about ever higher speeds and smart cities and, you know, anything that you can think of, 5G, 6G, you know, the works, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of the service providers you work with, um, you mentioned that their perspectives have changed. What are you hearing in terms of how their priorities and and how their businesses might be shifting in, in, in going forward? I think both kind of run in parallel, you know, yes, I think, you know, on one hand, you know, the industry and then our customers are super excited about kind of what the future will bring in terms of 5G and speed and, and smart cities and all of those things that you mentioned, you know, the prolification of IoT devices and things like that. On the other hand, we need to constantly think about, you know, um, how do we get broadband out to rural areas, right? How do we, you know, um, there, there's kind of this cost ROI equation somewhere here, right? I mean, when you have to cover this huge rural area, and you have to roll out, be it fiber or 5G. Or, I mean, there's a huge cost and, and the ROI is not there. So, yeah. you know, this is where I think, you know, I know the government is stepping in now and, and there's a myriad of programs that are rolling out in terms of encouraging companies to um, service the rural sector. But I think it's even, it's not just the rural sector because sometimes, you know, um, we can say, well, that's someone else's problem and maybe that someone else is a small proportion, but it's not just that, right? So during the pandemic, uh, you know, exactly like you said, you know, we, we see these stories of kids sitting in outside of Starbucks because they don't have that broadband connection at home. And I think the difference, you know, previously, like you said, all of these problems existed, but it's just exasperated because, you know, previously if you didn't have a very high-speed connection, like what couldn't you do? So, you know what, maybe your Netflix buffered now and then. Uh, Maybe you weren't able to play, you know, a high-end role-playing video game or something like that. But fast forward to, you know, 2021 and you can't work. You can't, you know, you can't do your schoolwork. You can't Zoom while your parents are working in the other room. You know, so, so you have this kind of, real life day-to-day activities that are in the critical path of your livelihood getting in the way. Yeah. Right. So so I think this is where, you know, this whole discussion around the digital divide, I, I think is really important that um, broadband is really available for everyone. Right. That there shouldn't be there shouldn't be, you know, the haves and the haves not when it comes to broadband, in the same way that we wouldn't expect that electricity is only available to some people. Right. And, and, and as, as I think of the future, you know, broadband access is just as important as electricity or anything else. Um, because, you know, if you shut down the water, you know, maybe you don't have water in your house, you can go somewhere else and get some water. 
if you shut down broadband, you know, there could be instances where you don't have a job, right? And you can't put food on the table. I mean, I'm ex exaggerating to make a point, but there are situations like that that happen all around the country. And, and, and I think another interesting part here is, you know, as people go into this hybrid work environment all over the country, and people are, you know, we joke around it, but everyone's kind of uh, reassessing their life, right? Like, yeah, for real. Uh, yeah. And, and as people say, well, you know, maybe I want to take my family out and live in the country or, or work, you know, change my lifestyle. I don't want to live in the city anymore. But as they make that decision for their family, they're not willing to sacrifice broadband. Right. So, so I think we need to think of this very differently. And there's some, you know, cool stuff happening around 5G and, and rural rollout. There is stuff happening around kind of the, as we say, the Leo, Mio, Geo, kind of the low orbit satellite space um, with, you know, giving access or broader access, I would say. So I think I think technology companies and service providers are definitely thinking about it. And I think, you know, the government's coming to the table and and putting in plans and we just need to start getting into that execution phase really of rolling that stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it could certainly change how the overall U.S. Uh, landscape looks like in terms of where people live and, and where they work and, and um, all of that, if we get it right. So one of the uh, organizations you guys are working with is the 5G Innovation Lab, right? So um, tell me a bit about that work and what role the 5G Innovation Lab is trying to play in addressing the digital divide. Yeah, so the 5G Innovation Lab is a conglomeration of, you know, it's us, T-Mobile, NASA, Dell, Microsoft, uh, kind of a couple of kind of big, uh, you know, tech giants are kind of coming to the space and said, okay, like let's set up this kind of concept lab where we bring in other companies, we bring in people that want to trial proof of concepts, that want to trial ideas and uh, have like a, a, a place that they can test out their proof of concepts, you know, test out their ideas, whether it be, you know, uh, an agricultural scenario when it comes to farming and how 5G can be used, you know, around IoT sensors. Mm. Um, you know, the other day I was looking at something where, you know, people are, people are kind of detecting... Um, um, you know, it was a rail yard and, and, you know, they're using kind of like 5G cameras to detect, you know, movement of people, um, you know, so that they don't get into danger, you know, um, over the rail yard. So there's all sorts of really interesting use cases. And as we kind of look at these, you know, we're constantly thinking at the back of our mind, you know, how do we make sure we kind of close this divide? So, you know, there are, um, Amdocs currently is working with one of the school districts, for example, to think of, you know, how do we roll out, you know, in one of the ISDs, how do we kind of roll out connectivity within the school? Um, and, and, you know, one of the ideas that had come up in the discussion was, you know, um, this school was thinking of giving, uh, giving kids, you know, some type of tablet, right? And so we kind of took it to the next level and said, well, don't just give them a tablet, give them a tablet with connectivity. So they can go home and they don't depend on their broadband connection. They don't depend on, you know, their parent paying the bill and their broadband connection being on, they just switch the tablet on and they're connected. Yeah. Right. And they have a, you know, 5G eSIM card, they're continuously connected. And then you start to go, well, guess what? Now there is no difference between any of the kids in that class, depending on the situation at home. Mm -hmm. right? I recently saw, I think it was California, I may be wrong here, that decided to, you know, make um, school lunches like 
available to everyone, right? So that there's no differentiation. And I thought that was such a great idea, right? Like it just takes one element off the table. And like, I thought to myself, well, maybe we can do that with connectivity for kids. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like then um, part of your thinking also includes digital equity. It's not just about the technology, but you're including um, equitable uh you know, ways of distributing technology as well. And I think that's a key part of closing the digital divide that has previously been right. left out a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think, look, every company I speak to, and I speak to kind of a lot of, you know, C-level, very senior people in, in major companies, and I haven't met one that rolls their eyes or thinks it's not a problem or doesn't want to help. Mm-hmm. I think everyone wants to help, right? Everyone realizes we don't want to, create a bigger digital divide, especially, you know, um, among kids, because we know this just, you know, it's like uh, Malcolm Gladwell's outliers, right? Like this keeps on adding up and adding up and yeah. it just gets bigger and bigger unless you start to address it at the lower levels. And so I think it's great to see some of these initiatives, you know, I know all our employees are super motivated and encouraged to try and close this digital divide. By the way, it's not just in in the lower ages, but also if you think of kind of the elderly population. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. One of the, I mean, one of the things we did during COVID was we we created a um, elderly digital help desk, right? Because we realized there were a lot of elderly people that had never used Zoom or never used Teams. And suddenly this was the only way they could keep in touch with their family and their friends. And and it was, you know... uh, (laughs) How did that work? Tell tell me a bit more about that because I love that. Yeah, it was fantastic, and and you know our our, our employees volunteered to man the man the help desk and, and took turns manning it, and and I think both sides enjoyed it. Yeah, you know maybe there were people calling in just because they wanted to talk to someone, yeah. but, but I think a, a lot of you know um, yes we helped a lot of people, but I think a lot of people that kind of staff that also felt you know just fulfilled themselves by being able to do things like that. And I think we shouldn't ignore it. You know, I mean, um, most of us are very savvy with uh, devices. And, you know, maybe a year ago or two years ago, it was fine for, you know, to say, well, you know, like like my, my mother's, uh, you know, in her 70s and, you know, she would just go into the bank when she needed to go and she didn't bother about, you know, using using her app on her phone, right? Yeah. Now, suddenly, now they're, they're in Australia and they're in lockdown. She can't go to the bank. She has no choice but to use her phone, right, and use the app. You know, she has to use an app to deliver groceries. So we can't kind of ignore these kind of age demographics that maybe not just doesn't have access but doesn't even have the knowledge, right? right. So all of these gaps as a society we need to make sure we cover just a couple of months ago, if you can remember that far back, it was hard to get a vaccine appointment. And we had, you know, elderly people across this country who uh, were expected to figure out complicated websites that they needed to refresh at midnight in order to get an appointment. So perfect example. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about your work. um, And I hope you'll continue to keep me posted on everything you guys have going on. Thank you. Will do. And thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you again, Anthony, for joining me today. Thank you as well to our producer, Tian Fu, for making this episode. 
Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.